Welcome to the Royal Shakespeare Company. Are you enjoying the show? You're joining us for Interval Drinks, a podcast by the Royal Shakespeare Company in which we talk to artists who inspire us. Every single mistake I've ever made, every lesson I've learnt, has been in the full glare of the public. You name it, it has happened to me. I sort of imagine what people might want to be hearing, that we're popping champagne corks. <laughs> I love the time. Meeting in the bar this week is current actor Zoe Lambert with David Threlfall. What do you think they've been watching? I just like pretending and dressing up. I really can't put it any more simple than that. I can't write books about it. I can't draw stuff about it. I've just got an instinct about it. Have you collected your drinks? Then let's begin. Hello and welcome to Interval Drinks, the Royal Shakespeare Company's podcast in which members of the current acting company talk with artists who've inspired them in some way and who that they're keen to chat on with over an imagined interval drink at the theatre. My name's Zoe Lambert and I'm currently performing in the RSC's production of The Comedy of Errors, directed by Philip Breen. I'm thrilled today to be talking with the actor David Threlfall. For me, he's definitely one of those actors with the X factor, and I always admire his ability to master the interplay between comedy and pathos. He has a fantastic ability to transform, and yet I always sense that he's never afraid to bring himself to his art. He brings heart and soul, which I think gives his work great authenticity and humanity. And that's what we're all after, isn't it? He's such a vivid actor that whoever he's playing, you kind of feel recognition. I sort of feel as though I know David, but I've never met him, so of course I don't know anything about him at all, only what I've learnt on Wikipedia. He's had a rich and varied career in TV, film and stage, and I've been asked to keep this concise, but the list is very long. Many of us know him as Frank Gallagher from Channel 4's Shameless and he's notably played Tommy Cooper in the TV drama Not Like That Like This. He's notched up many contemporary and classical theatre credits, a lot of which have been at the Royal Exchange Manchester, his home city. But as an associate artist for the RSC, David's work with the company dates back to 1978 when he played Fitz in John Caird's production of Savage Amusement. Since then, he's gone to play in productions such as Julius Caesar, Cymbeline, The Merry Wives of Windsor, and played Smike in Trevor Nunn's infamous eight-hour production of The Life and Adventures of Nicholas Nickleby in 1980. His most recent work with the RSC was in 2016, playing the eponymous character in Angus Jackson's production of Don Quixote on the Swan stage. He's worked a lot. But today he's not working. He's having a pint of Guinness over an interval at the Imagined Theatre. What are you drinking, David? <laughs> what would you drink in the interval? Well, well the gimmick is Guinness, isn't it? There you go. Question Guinness. Answer. Is that what you'd have if you were... If I was... I don't drink like, in the interval in, in the, the theatre. theatre. I try not to, no. Have you ever left in an interval? What, what, while I'm, while I'm on stage, left? you mean? What... what no, no, while you're on stage, no. <laughs> have it, I ever left well, if you watch, Have you ever left? Yeah, I was interested to know. I try not to. I'm a bit like football. I'm one of those that stays right till the end, even if we're losing 4-5 now. I've only known you from your TV work, and I would love to see you on stage, and I hope that I'll have the opportunity. Do you think in this country we sort of don't take comedy seriously enough? You look in the past, some of the <clears throat> some wonderful performances by comedians like Max Wall, 
for example, who just turned over, uh, Peter Chelson, who was at the RSC yes. when I was there, did that wonderful film written by Peter Flannery. It was interesting that comedian, comedians, I went in like this when I first met John Caird and Peter Flannery for the play Savage Amusement, which is about the housing crisis yeah. in Manchester in whatever year he'd written it. Actually, he'd written it in the future in 1979, but he'd written it slightly in the future when the housing crisis was terrible, which is kind of bang on. And they yeah. said, we really like him, like his energy is very chatty. Has he got something a, a little bit more dark? Has he got something darker? And I thought, yeah. having seen comedians and just thought it was the most wonderful piece, I thought, well, this is my only chance I'll ever get to play Gethy because by the time this comes yeah. around again, I'll be too old to play him. Then, you know, I'll be this, that, that. Anyway, uh, so yeah. I went in and I just, they said, just, just, just come in and just do 10 lines or something just to show. So I did a little piece from uh, Gethy's speech at the end, you know, I wish I had a train. And the fools let me in as a result. So when you started in theatre, would it, would it be like the, the 1970s? Kind of when, when there was a very healthy, small-scale touring. Absolutely. Um, infrastructure uh, of rep and... Yeah, when we had you a... Know, community th community theatre. Absolutely. Theater. I'd left the old Polytechnic Drama School in Manchester and then I actually worked straight away with Mike Lee because he'd seen me in something. He'd actually auditioned me for something, but I couldn't because I wasn't an equity member. Literally after Lee... After, uh, I at the finished end of drama school and I went straight into an eight-week wow. shoot with him, which became a thing called The Kiss mm. of Death. I did like the idea of week, not weekly rep, because I, when I got to Stratford, listening to stories of weekly rep from people who, you know, older actors who'd been in it and said, well, we used to do, it's like just fascinating to hear all that. But yeah. the idea of being in a three or four weekly rep, like in the library theatre was in Manchester, which was the hometown, or yeah. they, had a, yes. they, had a, they had a, in the same town, they had the library theatre, they had a, a forum theatre in Withenshaw. There was Liverpool, there was mm. Stoke, there was, you know, mm. there was uh, Chester, there was Nottingham. There was these places buzzing. You think, wow, these are, you know, these are places to really aim at and to, to, to get you to bolt yeah. Nottingham. They were places to... Oh, oh it's love that you place, know, yeah. to aim your aim at. So, um, David, what drives you creatively and how do you fuel it? Uh, I'm a motorbike. That's what drives me creatively. <laughs> <laughs> what drives me creatively? Yeah, the need to work. Yes. Isn't that yeah. the same for all of us, really? I mean, I've always thought of myself yes. as, a, as a, you know, without being stupid and lacking some kind of esteem, just a jobbing actor and then just happy to work. Yeah. Just love, I love working. I love working, being in, I mean, being in a room trying to work it out is the best thing yeah. for me yes in the rehearsal yeah, room i just like pretending and dressing up i really can't put it any more simple yes. than that yes. i can't write yeah, books about yeah. it i can't draw stuff about it i've just got an instinct about it and i think these days oh, for many do you, years do you think I, we can over intellectualize uh, well, it well <laughs> yeah i mean i can i could if we had a few if we had a few drinks of i could definitely be intellectualizing it up the wazoo in the duck one night you know we, we could be easy doing that but I just think there's very few jobs where you can have instinct and intuition and through yes. discourse. And I tend to throw paint at things, if you like. And, yeah. and when, I yeah. feel, when I feel I've got to a point, I think I can sort of see them sitting in a room. I can, there's people I, 
like to play. And that's just the way I work. It's not better or worse than anybody else. It's just yes. what I do. Yeah, that's it. I was thinking, because uh, I know you love football, don't you? Man City. I, You'll be dismayed to hear. I, I couldn't really have a conversation about football. I appreciate the thrill of the game. But I never got over that feeling when you entered the stadium and went, oh, God, this is amazing, that arena. And I do think, as actors, we, we, we're kind of like athletes because you have to, to sustain that kind of physical and mental capacity for an intense period of time. I think you are. I don't know, there are parallels, yeah. aren't there, between what, Don't you think, though, it's one of the... <clears throat> it's one of the th- I mean, my... my my eldest, so he's he's an actor now, and I said to you, you know, you you've got to the biggest thing you're going to have to come to terms with is being being out of work, in work, out of work, in work. I mean, when the lockdown thing, yeah, that's the biggest challenge, isn't it? All that kind of how yeah. you how you deal with with all that business of it's it's not it wasn't rejection. The whole world was rejected by the lockdown. Of course, I don't really want to. We should move on from all that anyway, but. Um, it, it, it's. I said that's going to be the the biggest thing to to cope with being in work and out of work. And of course, you know yourself. I'm sure that it, what goes is your confidence. What goes is your self esteem. Yeah. Yes, goes is, very you quickly. Know, yeah, that you really. You might have done a fantastic job, yeah, but then boom. when you're out of work yeah. for a while, yeah. Uh, and, and and we were. I think we were more used to being out of work as a as a group. The act of rogues and vagabonds. And, the Koenig catches yes. the raggle-taggle. The raggle-taggle gypsies, like though. Is that what you were going to say? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a song, There's Zoe. Give us a song. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was it? It's, like it's an old folk song, isn't old, it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, uh, it, that's, that's, the, that's the business, and therefore it's to do with your thing about athlete, that when you do get a job and you've not been working... You do have to start the breathing, the yes. this, you know, the, yeah. that. You, yes. I, well, I do anyway. You have to be prepared. Oh, we found it with three weeks off, you know, when we had three weeks off uh, in between doing the outdoor. And then you know, we were all saying, God, I don't feel like match fit. Got a bit kind of floppy. It's a lovely image I can never get out of my mind, Zoe, <laughs> but thank you for that. <laughs> Zoe Floppy Lambert. Floppy Lambert to her friends. <laughs> David, can we talk about Tommy Cooper? I love Tommy Cooper. Can we? I And I loved that um, biopic. I mean, he had funny bones, didn't he? Yeah, well, that was the big problem of playing with it. You, you had, but you must have funny bones to be able to do that. You know, uh, well. I think it's a business of being, I've always been interested in the musical thing. In fact, it goes back to when I, I went back to the RSC after we did Nickelby yeah. and we you know, filmed it, went to Broadway and finished and everything. One of the things I used to do was go and buy uh, old, old, you know, the old LP vinyls, the big, what they call 12 inch yeah. vinyls, is that what they call them? Uh, in in, in um, LP LPs. Shop. LPs, thank you, LPs. It's gone by LPs of spoken words and, and comedy and all that. So I, I built up a bit of a collection of it. I was always interested in that. Somehow it's finally got out. I think I started as a rather intense young man. I've still got that intensity, but mm. um, I, I think it's very important that you don't take yourself too seriously these days. Um, and and I, and I was always interested in, it's something I can't do. 
I would never stand, stand, stand up. You wouldn't do no, so. No, no, no. But so ad- ad- admiring I was to be able to would be great if, you know. And so in the last few years, I've, I've been blessed enough to, 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 to the Tommy thing came and then I played Spike Milligan on radio oh, it was wonderful. and Ken Dodd. And ah. um, it was just great getting, again, just sculpting those radios. It's another, you know, it's another instinct. Very, very, you know how quick that works in radio. Yes, yeah. Um, but the Tommy Cooper, yeah, coming up, I, I went and met the um, Andy Harris, who was producing it, and Lucy Dyke, and uh, Ben Caron, who used to direct a lot yeah. of The Crown. <laughs> you remember The Crown. It was a big series in the 2000s. And, um, <laughs> um, and I just went in and talked to him. Luckily, I talked to him theatrically how I would approach it. There's no chance they're going to ask me to play Tommy Cooper. Yeah. Uh, and um, I just talked, the way I talked about it, this is what I, this is how I'd approach it. And yeah. in the afternoon, I got a call saying they've offered it. Oh, brilliant. And, uh, and I just thought, what the hell? So I had four weeks to prep it and get it together and four weeks to shoot it. It's, <laughs> people said they go, oh, well, he didn't have to speak. You don't have to look at him. He's just the funniest man ever. Well, I'm not the funniest man ever. So I, I said I'd, I'd have to assimilate that in the interview. I said I'd have to assimilate the best I could. So I did have size 13, 14 shoes. I had, I had everything built up. I had the, 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 the suits were, were purpose made. Wow. Just to make it look a bit bigger. I had a, I had a, a big suit on underneath. Yeah. And, uh, and I had, you know, some some help. I had some help, darling. <laughs> Around the face and the nose. I love that line when he's 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 trying to kind of get his wife Dove to go on tour, and she says uh, something like, "Who do you think we are, the frigging von Trapps?" And he goes, "You, but you deliver that so beautifully." Like, oh, you've always had it. In. You've always had it in for that family. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was. Have you seen this recently? Or have you just remembered this? I've remembered it. I just ah, think okay. it. But this thing, I love Tommy Cooper. So there's things like you know oh, when yeah. he goes, my teeth are itching, silly things like that. Yeah, me, yeah, me so teeth. They're just lodged. Yeah. I was. We recorded something at, at Thames, and I think it's, I think it's a piece that's in the end of the show. But I did. Obviously, what I did, I just, I just soaked and soaked and soaked and watched everything and listened to everything. Penny was brilliant on the on the dialect. Because it's part, yeah. even though he left Wales, he left Kamar that it, it was three years old. There's a bit of Welsh in him, and and Southampton sort of around that area as well as yeah, you know, the, this kind of burr he's got. But I was doing a thing um, at Thames Television, and I was putting myself together, and Bradley Walsh came in, and he and he just stopped, and that was really my favourite thing. Really. He just stopped and went. Bloody hell, he said, he said yeah. I said, yeah, we've got chatting, you know. Yeah. He said, I work with him, you know. And I said, oh, did you? He said, yeah, we're chatting. So I said, come on in, come in. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this bit to camera now. I'm just going to do his act. I'm just going to do a little bit of a one of his stories. I can't remember. It's, you know, and and Bradley and came and stood behind the camera and, and, and watched it because I thought, you know, if I can get it by him, maybe I'll I'll get you know something. Yes. I think the more I did it over the four weeks, it's one of the only things I've ever sort of stayed, almost stayed in character all the time. And taking it home with you, kind of yeah. I always had him around. I'm not, I'm not a great lover of that. I I think that's my training with Mike Lee, Mike Bradwell, that you have a line between when you're in character and when you're out of character. 
If I may, can I ask you about playing Frank Gallagher? Because I always felt like there was, there was real empathy there in your portrayal of him. Do you identify with him in any way? Or do you know Frank's? It came about because he's just, it's like there's a, I suppose, amalgam of a certain type. I mean, when I, when I went and, you know, read for it, sometimes things, are, things, things come easier to you and then a bit hand in glove. And I think he was, he mm. was one of those. I think his energy and metabolism was 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 way higher than, than mine or I like to be. It's just about plugging into the person you're playing and plugging into their energy, the, yeah. Yeah, and particularly because I after three seasons I started directing quite a few of them over the years. I mean, we never knew year on year whether we were gonna continue to do it. And some would say we outstayed our welcome. And I think there's an element of truth in that. But after three seasons I was, you know, directing one, I just loved that because I love actors. I love actors. Mm. I'd love to be directing more. I'm not going to just go around having done that, just putting, you know, doing things as a CV just to say I've done it. It's about finding the right thing. I raised the director thing because there was just a kind of click, a kind of zone where I knew. Obviously, there was different degrees of completely off his face, not quite off his face, just topping up, sober. So there was some days... And I think some people, when we were out in locations, which sometimes were pretty hairy, expected me to be absolutely off my face all the time. Mm. Yeah, people really do identify you with him, don't they? I, I guess so. But honestly, Zoe, I just did it, had fun, learned something, and went back five days a week. And you yeah. know, somebody said to me after I said, you don't know, you don't know how popular this is, do you? I said, yeah, I'm not being falsely humble about it. No, I just didn't know. I just enjoy what I do, and I enjoy working with people. Um, that you think, comes we, across. We, we've met yeah. today, and you think, it'd be great to get in a rehearsal room with you because you're so, you know, you're so open, it's easy. It's, it's actors who are easy, who are not, who are not trouble, yes. who are not, not trouble in the, you know, in the wrong way. Some people can be difficult, yes. and you think, actually, they come up with a good, so it's, it's worth dealing with. Yes, there's that, isn't there? But if you if you want a good, t you know, there's no point in doing what we do if we don't enjoy it. I, I mean, I struggle sometimes. I go, oh God, I've got imposter syndrome. I had had it a little bit of the RSC, you know, when you see all the other people that have played maybe the part that you're playing. But then you kind of have to go, oh, but this is great, as you say. I'm dressing up and uh, playing. Yeah. And so I've got to enjoy it. Otherwise, you, you don't engage, do you? Properly, fully. Yeah, exactly. It's about being vulnerable and it's about yeah. uh, being uh, committed and working to towards this, your, your objectives and your satisfaction, yes. at the end, be it at the end of a line, a scene, an episode, uh, an act or whatever it might be, you know, um, yes. whether it's film or TV. And the thing about directors, I find, is just to make the whole atmosphere fun and like a sort of some kind of... Um, the emotional bouncy castle that all the actors can really, oh, you know, work. I think you've got to make it comfortable for the actors in order for them to, to, to try, to try things, to go to places and then, you know, be very, be as supportive as you can. Uh, I, I love that emotional bouncy castle. You know, just like sitting back and, and just using a pair of eyes saying, well, it looks like this. That's all I, you know, that's really all I could do. And I think a lot of the actors yeah. liked it because literally one day I was acting and the next day I was directing them, as it right. were. But I think as yeah. what I found was not my... Yeah, was not my... Yeah, I can see here. 
you asking me about whether he's definitely still around if I want to want to plug yeah. in. Um, and, and I, I have to say, I, I don't very often. But um, right, yeah, <laughs> people would come up and say, "Oh, honestly, do you know him? He's my boyfriend. He's just like he's just like him." Really? Yeah. You need to get rid. <laughs> you need to get rid. Holy <laughs> shit. God almighty. I mean, you know. he is really damaged, isn't he? He's a damaged Slightly, yeah. fellow. I always thought you saw the kid in him. Yeah, you know, well. Like arrested development at some, at some <clears throat> level. It's interesting you say it because when I first read for him, I said, I think the mistake would be to make this guy drunk all the time. Yeah, but also I think he was he was somebody who who'd, who'd chosen drink and drugs as, as a choice somewhere uh, yes. even though he was pretty intelligent I think he was intelligent at school I think he worked in a factory for a while but he was always getting sacked from jobs because he thought he was better than the jobs I think that's what his that's what I thought his background was but um, he, he quoted Shakespeare didn't he Frank I was very keen on all that yeah because and I Greek drama that, yeah. and everything and and and, and I, I always remembered it because my granddad who worked in Trafford Park in Manchester as a railway paint sign sprayer um, yeah. He came with my mum and dad, who were all alive at the time in 1979, 80, whatever, to see Nickleby. And in the show, people would mingle around in the stalls and with the audience as they came in. Things We just chat, chat, chat. And when they came, yeah. I went down and went to see them. And I, I didn't know. And my granddad said, oh, my dad used to read me Dickens when I was a young boy. And I never knew that oh, in all really? the years. And he lived with us, you know, my granddad, my granddad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, you know, I never, you know, and I always remembered that. And when it came to Shameless, I thought, yeah, what? Why the presumption that the working class are not boned up on Greek yeah. tragedy or Shakespeare or what? Well, or you know, I remember reading in that Jeanette Winderson book, um, "Why Be Happy When You Can Be Normal," when she talks about in a lot of the, those homes in Lancashire, they'd have two books: the Bible and the complete works of Shakespeare. So actually, right. Shakespeare would filter into the vernacular. So yeah, there is that, isn't there? Why assume that, that yeah. there isn't a thirst, a thirst for kind a of thirst for good it. literature? And I think I don't, yeah. I don't know what you think, Zoe, but <clears throat> this whole thing, the world we're in now. I mean, I'm just, I just feel really blessed to be working on, on stuff at all, really. But I, you uh, know, the world, yes. the world now has changed for me as a, as a sort of older white male. It's, it's changed, and I, mm. I accept that. That has mm. to happen. Absolutely mm. see that, and I'm very, I'm pretty cool with it i saw a wonderful king john at stratford for instance and you'll have to forgive me the name of the actress well, yeah, playing yeah. king john but she was wonderful absolutely wonderful yeah some 21 years ago 22 years ago i played bolingbroke to fiona shaw's richard ii thought nothing of yeah. it really it was just a really interesting idea if it's my turn to take a back seat because i don't fit the bill i completely accept that but I'm here, I'm kicking we, we, around. It's very, very you, nice you, you to be associated with the RSC, which is... And I think you touched on it yeah. earlier, which is you feel you're not quite worthy, particularly if you're from the North. It's yes. to say Do you that. think that? This is your accent. Did she your, say that? Did she? she say, this is your language, you know. It's just a few hundred years out of date, but this is your language. And there's a whole debate about whether, you know, whether it was him that... I like to think... That it was a, yeah. a you know a, boy, a grammar school boy from Warwick who, who who'd written it, but there is a very yes, interesting, yes. an interesting discussion about <clears throat> the uh, the Earl of Oxford and all that. But uh, but I do you know it yeah. would be nice to think that one per, one person had thought that up and he was you know he did yeah. his uh, thing. You know you, you get that kind of hang hog, all that 
all the sort of school thing that's in the first few pages of Merry Wives and all that kind of, yeah. you know, it's a fascinating I mean, thing. But in the end, it doesn't really matter who wrote it when you're acting it, does it? You just go, this is brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I do think that my time with the RSC has given me a real opportunity to appreciate how brilliant Yes, yeah. and sometimes I just think the words make you feel things. They get inside you, don't they? And yeah. and I know when I'm getting it wrong, I'm not kind of just letting the the words affect me because they can. They're potent, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 he's he's great. You know, words like oh, well, throng, <laughs> wherefore throng you here that you can really enjoy. <laughs> he's having fun. When isn't I joined, you know, there was like Trevor Nunn's bunch. The RSC were at the Old Witch in London. And then there was the warehouse because it, it mirrored the other place in Stratford that had started up. And there was like Trevor's sort of group and there was Terry Hans in his, uh, I used to call him the oh, leatherette. Yeah. Barry, Ru Barry Rutter was one of those because okay. Barry, Barry was in, in the Henry V that Alan Howard did. And Alan, Alan was just such a lovely guy. And I, I did a TV with him after, never worked with him at the RSC. And right, they were all right. dressed in, you know, leatherette. And Alan famously, you and know, neckerchiefs. Did, 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 no, I mean on stage, not off, obviously. But you know, to go to the theatre, this was my dilemma. There was books when I was at drama school, written by uh -huh. directors. It's called Directors Theatre, and Jonathan Miller, who I worked with, who, who was not the most helpful director I worked with, um, who was mm -hmm. in, enormously entertaining, but not really couldn't really help me out because he would demonstrate a lot. I had a lot of problems okay. with that. Um, yes, but there was yes. two like that. Directors here, Jonathan Miller, various other people. Um, <clears throat> so I just thought, coming as a word from the working class, I, I decided to do this strange thing that really I didn't know much. I was really at the behest of whatever a director was going to tell me. Directors like me because I'm quite mal I'm malleable. It's the whole business about being in a room and finding out is to really explore something with people. And, of course, the great thing about the RSC, one of the very, 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 very few companies that exist in this country, is that you get a little bit of time. You know, if you're yes, in a if you're double brilliant, thing, you know, yes. you're in comedy various one night and then next night you're in another. When I joined, yes. I was in five different plays. One night holding a spear in Cymbeline, next night playing Anthony and Julius Caesar. I'm playing it very badly, but I would nevertheless... You know, I was learning my craft. So, David, it's been absolutely wonderful to, to oh, it's been a chat pleasure, with you and Gabon. Yeah, it's really you. great. And um, I do feel like I know you. I do. I, I knew you'd be <laughs> like this. But I'd like to wrap up our interval drink by asking you who, real or fictional, would you next like to have an interval drink with? That's really difficult. Mm. Picasso, Jesus, Shakespeare. Oh, I'd like to have those three. Those three together would be great. Although my two favourite people are my sons, my deceased father and mother. Yes, I'd like to be yes. uh, having a conversation with Oppenheimer. What on earth were you thinking, man? Or uh, <laughs> Oppenheimer. <laughs> I have to get Oppenheimer because every time I talk to <laughs> Angus Jackson, <laughs> he mentions it. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be so disappointed if I point him to this podcast and he's not been mentioned. But he is. Oh, I, I, I love Angus, and we we had such a good time on on Quixote, uh, the whole process. Yes, um, I don't know. Um, I'd find it hard to pick one. There's so many. There's a whole load of comedians I'd like to have had a conversation with. 
I'd like to have had mm-hmm. a conversation with Max Miller. I'd like to have had a conversation with Sid Fields, Frank Randall, the great mm-hmm. Frank Randall. Um, yes. There's a lot of people I, who are no longer with us who I'd like to be having my next interval drink with. I'm looking at you now and I can see you've morphed into Spike Milligan. <laughs> Hello, Hello, <laughs> Told you I was ill. <laughs> you told you I was, I was ill. Great, that <laughs> Pardon me, sir. Pardon me, sir. The devils are shouting, down with the English. What? I'll get the Irish guards to quell them. It's the Irish guards who are shouting it. Oh, it's big fun, Can you do Ken Dodd now? I do. What a, what a beautiful day. What a beautiful, what a beautiful day. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time, David. Zoe, gorgeous to see you. Remember, you can listen again to past episodes on the Royal Shakespeare Company website. Just search RSC Interval Drinks.